day in the neighborhood. And an even more in the black metaverse. What's up, auntie? What's up, auntie? What's up, auntie? Hey, Martin. How you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing. I'm telling you, uh, this weather this summer is going to be off the chain. Oh, my God. I'm in L.A., and I'm just like, okay, I I need to be at the beach. Next time we have something on a Sunday, I'm going to be podcasting from the beach. Hey, that's why we do it on Calling. You can podcast from wherever you at. I'm excited because our our metaverse is taking us all the way over to the NFT side of the metaverse. And we have one half of the other half of the crypto gang class that we had on last time. We have Professor NFT in the house. How are you? Yes, yes. Welcome. I love her. Bring her on, Professor NFT. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yep. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Hey. Well, man, the metaverse has been popping off lately with a lot of different projects. I've seen uh, three or four, and I, I, I don't think I've ever met three or four entrepreneurs in a new space in a span of a week or two like I have with the NFT space and the cryptocurrency. Just met a young man who wants to get the word out about his company, which helps people build out their smart contracts. I was like, oh, that's actually, that's actually a really dope idea. Like, you know, you need somebody to help you write your smart contract and build it out. And he intentionally came into our Black LinkedIn space and said, hey, how do I get to other Black entrepreneurs that are wanting to create their own tokens? Wanting to, I was like, dude, you're really early and ahead of your time but if you can stick it out for 18 to 24 months you're onto something <laughs> but love 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 that i definitely I, am going to have to connect with him but miriam's done it the professor's done all this before right exactly this is why we can't wait to talk to her so miriam tell us a little bit about yourself but professor miriam because you know we want to get that phd in there dr miriam uh Please tell us about yourself and how you got to this place where you are part of the Black Metaverse. So, um, yeah, I am a marketing academic. And last year, around January, February, I was uh, working on the, you know, my thesis, finishing up my uh, PhD, and then Clubhouse came about. Uh, as I, as I, got onto the platform. I think I got on the platform like December 2020, 2019 um, or 2020, something like this. Uh, I started seeing a lot of rooms about NFTs pop up and I didn't know what NFTs were back then. So I decided I was going to, uh, you know, start listening in on some of these rooms because they were getting more and more popular and they were showing up more and more in my hallway. So I was like, okay, I'm going to sit in on one of these rooms and figure out what they're talking about. And then once I figured out that they were talking about different types of like, you know, crypto assets, like non-fungible tokens, I thought, oh, this is really cool. And there was a really strong uh, community that was building around art NFTs. And I work with um, Black artists in uh, the, in real life, right? 
And so I, you know, started immediately, you know, the researcher wheels got turning and I started wondering, is this actually going to be good for black artists? Because black artists have been, you know, constantly sort of uh, excluded from traditional arts markets, galleries, uh, museums. So I was wondering, like if there's this this new space and this decentralized space, is it going to afford more opportunities for marginalized artist communities? And so I started researching this. I started talking to uh, a bunch of artists that were black and I, you know, started going into rooms like around February, I started seeing this uh, new club pop up and it was called uh, Black NFT Art. And I think that they had a really, really interesting mission to promote uh, Black artists in the NFT space. And so I just sort of uh, met a bunch of people and tagged along for the ride. And as I was, you know, continuing to just gather data in a very, um, I would say in a very, in a very, you know, uh, ad hoc way. It wasn't like I didn't have a, a necessary, um, you know, sort of research plan for this. I was just sort of exploring what was happening in the space, sort of a phenomenological approach to uh, this new thing that was popping up. And the further I got in, the more I, you know, I also became a collector because in real life, I'm also a collector of art and especially art from Black artists. And then so I, you know, fell down the rabbit hole a little bit and then I got involved with people who uh, wanted to start projects and I met Billy through an NPO that he has. He was doing um, things around uh, how to encourage, you know, the black community to patronize more black businesses and how to promote black businesses. And so we connected on that because it was a common interest. And he told me about this comic book that he was developing and how he wanted to make NFTs out of it. So uh, it just sort of like all clicked together. And that's how I got here. Woo! Drop the mic on that. Drop the mic on that. Pretty much. Pretty much. Oh, it's a lot. What I keep hearing is the intention, though. It's, it, I, much as you, I think, want to say this wasn't uh, necessarily the... Uh, plan uh, outcome, there was an intention. I think some of the best times we can have as human beings is if we allow ourselves to be curious and we follow that curiosity and we actually turn in and listen to the voice inside that says, hmm, something might be here. And then it just opens the door for more beautiful moments like that. Um, one of the things I found myself questioning, I'm curious to see what you're, because you are an analytical type of mind, uh, but I think you also give grace and space, and I have to work on that sometimes in my analytics, is that as I looked at the NFT and metaverse and stuff, I really felt like this is all second life. This is not anything that I haven't seen before, and so what's the big to do? And yeah, blockchain, and yeah, it could be there forever, but, you know, blockchain can get, if somebody does the right smart bomb, you know, in the right cities, maybe 10% of the blockchain is gone or something like that. I was just like, I was pretty much a doubter, we'll say, doubting, doubting Martin. And I'm curious to see what 
your thought process was when you evaluated, you know, and you said to yourself, hey, Miriam, am I spending too much time on something that is really going to just not change the world? And when you answered that, let me just throw this in, too, as if that was not enough, right? Because uh, I think that's a great question. Um, please qualify your perspective that you were coming in and making this evaluation. Because I heard you mention a thesis, so I'm thinking maybe you were in your master's program. You said something about marketing. And, and did that factor into whether or not um, you thought this was going to be something or not something? Or was it more of a gut instinct? So um, I, yeah, so I, I'm a marketing academic. I have a PhD in marketing. Uh, when I when I saw this uh, phenomena sort of start popping up, I was immediately drawn to the opportunity that I saw for, uh, you know, not only for, you know, the metaverse or gaming or, you know, platforming, but I... I came into this looking at how this is going to change artists' lives, right? And so in the way that art is usually sort of, uh, you know, sold or, you know, curated, it's it has been, you know, it has excluded marginalized act, like artists to a, a very large degree. And the, the good thing that I see about this, right, especially if you look at the smart contract side of NFTs, is that you can, um, you can sort of bake into the contract uh, the, the concept of, you know, different types of royalties for different people who contributed to the project. And at the onset, this may seem like, oh, well, you know, I mean, you could do that with a regular contract as well. But this is something that is in perpetuity and that is sort of locked in the code. So whenever someone will transact using that particular, you know, NFT, if it is properly written, because there's a lot of, um, you know, transactions that are done that don't use contracts that have a very specific um uh, like royalty redistribution, but if you do, that means that let's say today, and I spoke to an artist like this. Uh, his name is Corey Van Leeuwen. So when we were, you know, discussing together, he told me that there was a moment in his life where he had barely anything, and he was selling his art on the street. And he doesn't know how many paintings he sold for I don't know twenty, thirty, forty, fifty dollars. And those are paintings and parts of himself that he's never going to see again because these people maybe haven't, you know, photographed it or cataloged it. And he didn't because he was in a very difficult situation. Once he got into NFTs, uh, he, he was brought in by, you know, a friend. And once he got into NFTs, he he, he started being able to, you know, um, as his star grew, to benefit from it. So let's say he started in NFTs at selling, you know, a painting for $500 or, you know, $50 or $100. Well, right now his paintings sell for, you know, 20, 30, $100,000. But if somebody were to resell the painting, he sold them for $500, let's say a year ago, and they were to resell it for $100,000 tomorrow, he has, you know, royalty set baked in. So let's say it's 10%. If they sell it for 
$100,000 a year after they've purchased it, he still makes that $10,000. So the idea of that um, sort of perennial, like that, 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 that um, loyal, like uh, that royalty uh, sort of being attributed to the artist in, in a very, um, uh, um, it's not even long lasting. It's it's perennial, right? It's like it it will be there as long as that blockchain and that contract exists. So it's um it, it is a way to you know for me it was a way to to un, to build generational wealth. A uh, big problem that we have in you know the the community is that we are you know trendsetters, uh, style makers culture producers uh we uh you know like if you look at the the music industry you know who is creating most of these beats these lyrics that people are really you know uh like enthralled with but do they actually own anything and that's the thing do they own the rights to their own music do they own their masters do they own their licensing and most of the time the, the answer to that is no so here we have this unique opportunity to, you know, look at, you know, licensing, ownership, distribution in a way that is going to be hopefully more beneficial to the community. And that's what really lit me up when I was looking at that. It's the idea that, like, we may not need the, the you know, sort of institutional structures that are have been exploitative for, you know, as long as they've been around, right? Uh, like people who, you know, have a music deal and who make pennies, every, like pennies on every record sold or something like this. You have more, um, the redistribution is fairer. And that that's what really interests me about this space. So from that perspective, I love generational wealth and I love the way you broke that down just so clearly and eloquently because I'm an art aficionado too. I love art and the idea of being able to pass it down or have ownership um, that goes from me to the next generation is really important as well as if I were an artist, it would be nice for me to reap the benefits of my, my labor. I, I'm kind of thinking too. When I the reason I asked about um, the your educational background, doctor, PhD, um, I was really just curious. NFTs are so new, and this concept of really this way or vehicle of transferring generational wealth relatively new. Did you study it, the subject NFTs universe when you were getting your doctorate? Or is this all you something up, that you're just kind of learning now? You broke up a bit. Uh, oh, okay. Can you hear? Can you you, hear you're me? in the met. You were in the metaverse while asking the question. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. No, I just wanted to know: Did she study anything about that in her PhD program? Because it's all new, and so I'm really curious. You know, is this? Is this? How, how has she learned what she's learned? And did she have a formal education in her program about it? Uh, so, yeah, I think you broke up a little bit. No, I did not learn about this at the PhD. Uh, I, I studied consumer culture theory. I look at it 
um, you know, the, the things that I've studied. So even my master's thesis was on BitTorrent and internet piracy. Uh, my PhD was on, you know, the entertainment field and binge watching. So the the birth of streaming and how that uh, affects, you know, consumer behavior. Uh, so what I've really always concentrated on is, you know, disruptive technologies. And that's what I've been studying. And no one could have done a, a PhD on NFTs uh, because, up until, I don't know, three or four years ago, this didn't even exist as a concept. So I think there's a lot of people that might have studied cryptocurrencies, but I'm not really interested in studying cryptocurrency. I'm, I'm interested in studying the culture uh, that, that is sort of developing around the NFT space. Uh, and that that's sort of like the, the difference. I'm, I'm not looking at the technology so much but what the technology can do for people and how people use the technology. Uh, and that that's what I would say is the, the main difference there. And I, I knew that to be the case. Thank you for saying that. I just really, I, so another, on another platform, Martin helps me with um, our, my, oh my God, HBCU legacy and wealth um, platform. And one of the things I always say on that platform is, look, you don't have to have a formal education today. You just don't because really there are a lot of new things happening and this whole metaverse and the whole NFT game is one. And yes, it does help to understand how to do a doctoral analysis, but really it's open access. It's free market at its best in my personal opinion. Yeah, so I think this is a great time to segue into one of my questions. You know, I didn't feel everything happens for a reason. I think while uh, there is a public minting of your NFTs that you're doing now, I think you know, leading up to that minting, I definitely uh, was was a little bit silent about, you know, the culture <laughs> around NFTs and the lack of culture around NFTs. So I'm curious, you know, as you look at the landscape, do you see a space where in five years, um, little black girls will feel, oh, you know what? I want to do an NFT on my double dutch or I want to do an NFT, you know, do you see that coming? And if so, you know, will, will you think that they will be supported in the general culture? So, <laughs> I, I yeah, love that. That's, that. So, I see you ringtone. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a that that's a hard question. Um, I I honestly have no idea where the NFT space is going to be in five years because this space, like, it moves at lightning speed. Uh, I think that right now there is a, a black little girl called Nyla Hayes. I think she's about 13 years old now. She launched a project called Long Necky Ladies, and she's got a lot of really good exposure. I think she's, you know, launching another project uh, shortly, Long Necky Kids. Uh, she's, <laughs> you know, worked with um, uh, Time Magazine, 
you know, she she's had a lot of exposure. Is, is this going to be the standard? It, are many of these like stories going to pop up? I I am not sure. But gotcha. one thing that I knew though is that the space right now is extremely white and extremely male. And it's uh, not really surprising because to play in this space, you need to have uh, a level of technological, you know, savvy uh, that 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 is pretty high. I'm not gonna lie, you know, the barrier to entry is 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 not is not nothing. But also, you know, you have to have money because. To a large degree, you know, when you transact on, especially if you're going to be doing Ethereum's on the, uh, like I, NFTs on the Ethereum blockchain, you, even just to make the transaction can sometimes cost from, you know, 40 to 120 dollars $30. And that's not buying the NFT. That is just the price of transacting on the network, what is called a gas fee. And so when you look at that, right, just, just the cost of buying something being so high, it, it, it does discourage people. It does uh, make the, the, the entry price uh, very steep. And so when you couple, you know, the need for funds and large amounts of funds with technological savvy, and then you add another layer, which is around, you know, knowledge and security in the space, because, you know, there's million, like there's, I don't know if there's millions, but there's at least, you know, 100,000 NFT projects that have launched in the last year. And how do you know which ones are good and which ones are rug pulls, like meaning that which ones are scams that are just, you know, going to, you know, hurt the your your pocketbook. Uh, it's, it's really hard. So you need technological savvy, funds, and knowledge. Right. And so it's it's a very difficult space to get into, uh, which means that the people who, you know, were early and the people who start building early, they have a large advantage over everybody else who comes into the space. And that uh, it, it does it, it does set up some um, gatekeeping that we see. So it's. Um, So I have a question, Miriam, because I've seen it and the previews of it. And we had Billy on last week and it, it's amazing, this um, this project that you guys are working on. But it seems like it requires a lot of just programming and wondering how and, and you know, programming that, that alone is an expensive, you know, endeavor. How did you guys manage through the process of getting all these technical people who were a good fit for the project, had the talent, but also, you know, affordable? How did how did you do all that? So uh when we're talking about the technical side of this project, I actually came into the project uh, a, a little bit after. Uh, so this project was started as, you know, Billy started the adoption. And when Billy was working on the adoption comic book, he was working on it with one of his childhood best friends who was writing it. He was also working on it with, uh, you know, an illustrator, but he also was working on it with a cryptographer developer uh, who is cryptic. And who was there since, you know, uh, a, a, 
a little bit earlier than me. So when we decided to, you know, move forward towards a PFP project, a participative comic book universe, which was already in their plans, but we just sort of framed it around, you know, a spinoff of the comic book that was pre-existent. The package already came with someone who was technologically savvy. So there's always there's there was already someone who uh, who was on the team, who was part of the core team, who you know uh, knew about smart contracts and solidity, and you know lived and breathed this sort of you know cryptography stuff. So that that is is an ideal situation. And then after that, for sure, you know, Billy has a lot of um, connections in the space and was able to find, you know, a front end web developer. And I am, you know, partnered with someone who is a back end, you know, sort of infrastructure analyst. So it was really, you know, we pulled on our networks and these people, they're part of this project because they believe in the project. So it's not like they're not uh, they're not on a payroll or something right now. It's like a it's because they believe in the project. And that sort of allowed us to have high quality people that understand the space and that want to help us, you know, build together. To you that Auntie Donna, you're 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 in the matrix. We can't hear you at all. I know you might be traveling back from church, uh, but we can't hear you. Okay, no, no, you can't hear you now either. Dang. Um, go ahead, try it now. So, Miriam, um, one of the things that I really, really appreciated about the project, or about the project, not like it's over, um, is that, you know, you tapped into the community every single day, showing up in Discord, answering all these freaking crazy questions. Um, It seems like there was two or three of you. (laughs) Like, how the hell did you do, or how you, you know, uh, operating at the level you operate and being a professor, like, like I just need to know what's your time management skill, like, uh, the secret, because like, there's no way that I could do what you were doing, and you were battling COVID at the same time. Yeah, you don't want to know. <laughs> okay, okay. It, no, I mean it was it it, it it was a really hard time. You know, it's uh. Uh, you know, I was traveling back and forth, end of the semester, uh, kids are sick, I'm sick, and everything, oh but God. we're very committed. We are, and, yeah, and yeah. this is true for everyone on our team. Uh, you know, Cryptic had some issues, like family issues, and had to deal with it, but, you know, we, we trudged on. Billy, I don't know how many times Billy's been sick, you know, like Billy got COVID, Billy had like, you know, so like all of us have had, you know, our ups and downs, but we're committed. So we show up. And that's, I think, one of the most important things is to show up. Because everything else, you can, you can rework, you can, you know, but absence, especially in this type of community where you are building a community around, you know, uh, strong community leaders, if they're not there, and I've seen it in the NFT space, like, people where the, you know, um, 
the the core members are just never around. Even if they were around like 15 minutes a day, it would be 10 times better. But if you're never around, then it makes it, it, it for me, even as a collector, I feel like you don't care. Right, exactly. Just facts. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Nah, I feel that. I feel that. <clears throat> um, well, I'm excited for this project. I think that there are definitely um, some parts of the project that I would love to see live on eternally. And whether that's, uh, you know, some kind of design of maybe, you know, eventually some museum or somewhere does a, you know, early NF early black NFT <laughs> that were created in circa, you know, 2020 um, decade. But this is, I think, really creating a standard. And one of the things I liked about also about the project that you see everyone say, there's no one at all saying that they're that you guys are copying somebody else like you're just like so-and-so like this project is super mf and unique um in the artwork and the intention i've not seen even even in comic books you know i don't know i'm not a super comic head anymore so i'm talking about stuff from 2016 2017 but i haven't seen a level of commitment to the to the voices to the characters and then to and that theme song, you know, that's like, <laughs> so all these creative juices that are flowing through there. Um, what does that look like when you are stepping back and you're in December of 2022 and you're like, wow, look at the year, you know, um, is there a, you know, possible music division that's strictly doing music for other NFT projects? Is there an animation division that's doing animation for other projects? You know, are you guys going to spin off any of these great creative juice flowing uh, parts of this NFT project itself? So that's definitely something that we really want to um, sort of nurture and develop as part of this project is that sort of uh, ability to branch off and do, you know, spinoffs based on other people's uh, creativity and how they perceive their NFTs and their characters. And that's why we wanted open licensing. That's why we wanted to give people uh, the ability to, you know, sort of uh, develop the storylines that they see fit. And we see that the store, there's more than one way to tell a story, right? And we are really, you know, sort of um, pushing the, the comic book because that's something that it, it, it's at the very core of the DNA of this project, right? It was built and born out of uh, the adoption, which is a comic book that, you know, Billy has been thinking about and, you know, creating for like, three, four years or something. And it's also sort of the world that we wanted to to put forth as we moved into the space. But we wanted to bring with it, you know, streetwear. Um, We wanted to bring, and that's why we have uh, like a collaboration with a black streetwear, you know, designer and influencer, Marcus Troy. We wanted to bring into it music. 
We wanted to, you know, we, we wanted the vibe to be a, an important part of how this project, you know, is lived, is experienced by our holders and, you know, the community at large. We want it to be more than just like a, a static picture. So, you know, music is really important. We've been the, like producing, you know, a track. We have another MC from New York and she's going to be, you know, sort of storytelling, but through music. And yeah, for sure, you know, animation is a huge part of what where we want to be going with this. So animation, gaming, live action, to get there, we need funds. We need funding. We need collaborations. We need a lot. But already, you know, with what we have, we've been able to develop. If you look at the, the teaser for, you know, the heist, we've been able to do miracles on, you know, a very little budget. So imagine what it would be like if we had, you know, a lot more to work with. And so we're working towards it. We're building, uh, Billy always says this, we're building brick by brick. And I think that is the way to make it sustainable. A strong foundation is going to be what is going to hold this, you know, structure up no matter what comes, like, you know, tsunamis and hurricanes, we're still going to be standing no matter what the market does, because we will have built in a sustainable manner. Oh my God. I love what you're saying. And let me just say, professor, the, the unity, I feel the community, the love, the passion in your voice. Um, Billy, I'm a fan. I was a fan when I first met him and you too, listening to you in the discord, the, the community, the passion, the fact that, you know, it takes a, a team is huge. I'm on the West coast here in LA and I am very much interested in art. So, you know, in fact, I just did something with um, California Institute of Art and I'm, I'm here for it. Whatever you need, I want to funnel people your way because the open licensing piece is huge. You're not only saying come create with me or come observe what I'm doing, but you're saying come be a part of it. And this is really, really huge in terms of passing down generational wealth and legacy. I would love to invite people, and I don't know how discords work, but how can people who want to get more information um, connect with you guys on this project? Because it's amazing. So we can be found, like we have a website, like uh, CryptoGangClash.com. We have a Twitter, which is crypto but with a zero gang clash uh we have discord literally carrier pigeons we're really easy to reach uh we're always happy to interact with people we're always happy to collaborate with people and it's it's sort of like something in, in the ethos of how we want to build the project we really believe that working together with others is what's going to propel this forward. So, you know, in the space, in the NFT space, everybody says, wag me, right? Like, we are going to make it. And they say that, but they don't collaborate, they don't retweet, they don't do things. Uh, and so it doesn't seem like it's really, you know, being enacted. But in our project, wag me is like, really the spirit of what we're doing. We all want 
everyone to win. We want you to have like a crypto gang clash NFT. We want you to be able to like monetize it. We want you to be able to, uh, you know, go and then if Monster Energy Drink wants to put your NFT on a, on a, you know, on a can of, you know, their energy drink, like go ahead. And that is your royalty, right? Because it's, it's your NFT. So we really want people to build and to connect with us. And as I said, there's all roads to connecting. You know, there's my personal Twitter, Professor NFT. There's Billy's Twitter, Billy Billions. There's Crypto Gang Clash, Crypto with a zero instead of an O. Uh, there's the website. There's the Discord. Maybe Carrier Pigeons. So there's a lot of way to reach us. Oh, that's hilarious. Carrier Pigeons. Add that. That's a good character for me. <laughs> for the for the gangs and the heist. Look, I'm I'm just wondering, and I'm gonna give Mar- give it back to Martin. Are you saying with this opportunity to build, if I'm a, if I'm interested, and let's say there's a 22, you could be any age, but let's say there's a 22 year old person interested and they want to be a part of this, but they don't they don't know how to engineer. Um, do you have to be an engineer to be a part of this? Because word on the street is you've been reached out to by like some major ballers, footballers, and I know they didn't necessarily know how to to, to design. How, how does that work to, for the average person to be a part of it? Well, so if you're, you know, if you want to launch your own NFT project, yes, it does probably help that you have some, you know, uh, solidity background or that you're able to uh, code. But if you want to up into a project, like if you want to be part of Crypto Gang Clash, you definitely don't need to be an engineer. You just need to be enthusiastic. You need to want to participate. You need to, you know, like the project. And so this is it. We have an NFL player and he he just like Cameron, uh, he we we started talking. I sent him what he would look like as an avatar from our project. He loved it. Uh, one thing led to the next. He, you know, we were developing the backstory of his character together. And then, you know, we put him in a heist. Uh, you know, we were like, you know, I scripted it. He voice recorded his own stuff. So all in the span of, I don't know, one, one and a half week, you know, he became a comic book author, a voice actor, you know, and it's just about participating. He has, as far as I know, he has no technological, you know, sort of engineering background, but he did get to have a lot of fun with, you know, developing his own, you know, superhero character. That is so incredibly cool. And I, I, I don't know if, if we talked about this, but what I thought was really cool when Billy was talking last week was like there's an interactive almost component and, um, it, and 2D characters. I don't know. I might be getting this wrong, but help me out, Miriam. Explain. It's not just your standard NFT pretty picture. So... If you have a Crypto Gang Clash NFT, you become part of a community. And as part of this community, you get to help us craft the narrative of, you know, what is going on in Brooklyn Smart City. So what we've basically done is we've sort of built a canvas, a world, right? A universe that 
has some, you know, it, it has some like landmarks or some things that people can latch on to. But, but it's pretty, you know, open as a canvas. So if you want to have, you know, develop a, a character of, uh, you know, like a gangster in Brooklyn Smart City, you can do so. And then if the next person wants to develop their character as a lawyer in Brooklyn Smart City, they can do so, or as a doctor or, you know, anything. It's very open. What really we wanted to do is sort of not add too much, you know, rules or like things that would stifle people's creativity. We wanted to be very open uh, as a space. And so we want people to come and play. We've sort of built a playground and we want people to come and play and bring their creativity, bring their enthusiasm. And, you know, they can be as involved as they want. Like they could, we're going to be opening a writer's room on Monday on our discord because we have another athlete, a young female athlete that we're onboarding. And the name of her character is Layla Sands. And what does Layla Sand do? And what is like, how, what is her role in, uh, you know, the narrative that we're developing? So these are all things that we have to uh, come up with, but we want the community to participate in that process because then when they get the, the you know, the comic book or the comic strips, they're going to be that much more attached, that much more engaged because they're part of it. They made it, you know, or their characters are in it. And that's what we really want to do, right? Because when you're looking at... Um, the, the comic book universes that you have now, you know, like the big ones that you can think of like DC and Marvel as, as a, as a consumer, you have zero input on how these characters and these worlds develop. And that's where we want to flip the script. We want the consumers to be a large driver of how the world develops uh-oh, uh-oh. So you mean if I want to come in and um, be the IP auntie who's given knowledge on trademarking and copyright and licensing and that kind of thing, there might even be a space for me? Absolutely, definitely. I think that's so cool. I, I think it, the sky's the limit. There's so much potential. And the fact that you're just creating something that's interactive, that looks like us, that's for us, but it's on such a high level. Um, it, it's just, it's amazing. Again, kudos to you, Billy and the team. Thank you. We're so happy to see uh, like others that are appreciating and that are recognizing the type of like work that we want uh, to, to really sort of uh, propel this project forward. And it feels like a project whose time has come. You know, it's like the right time to do this. It's not too early. It's not too late. So kudos to y'all for having excellent timing. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, we've reached the end of another excellent show. Um, I, I was telling Auntie Donna that <clears throat> in history, one of the cool things I've been able to do is to figure out just by accident now on purpose, but like who has some of the coolest projects. And now since content is so easy to create, I used to have to go back to my first tweets on this project or first tweets on that project. 
now, you know, we have our first two episodes of our podcast is totally devoted to Crypto Game Clash and the geniuses behind it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's what it is. So when somebody searches for your name years from now, they're like, yep, Black Metaverse Stories, we did it first. All the all the other kudos to all the other shows out there that are going to come after you. But I know you're on hype. I know you're, you know, you're going to make the rounds and be on these magazines like Black Enterprise and stuff like that. But we had you here first. <laughs> so, right. We, we, we are coming up, right, because of them. Because they say, you know, your network is your network. Or your network is your network. And I think it's just amazing to, to have added the, this group of uh, crypto gang clash people to our network right here on Black Murder Metaverse Stories. And I hope so many others will, Martin, because there's so much opportunity. Absolutely. Sister Miriam, we want to tell, Professor Miriam, we want to tell everybody how they can follow you, tap in, um, and become part of the gang. Yes, absolutely. So uh, you can follow Crypto Gang Clash on Twitter, crypto with a zero instead of an O, Gang Clash. Uh, you can follow me, Professor NFT, on Twitter. You can use the website, www.cryptogangclash.com. Uh, and then from there, you can actually enter our Discord. But we have a, a like a, a web address set up so that if you like type cryptogangclash.net, you will be uh, invited into our Discord. So there's many, many ways to reach us. And uh, yeah, don't be shy. I am always uh, open to talk. We put the um, link to the website in our in our link section. So if you're listening here on call-in, you can just scroll to the right and you'll see the link and just press that button and you'll take your right to the website. Once again, thank you, Professor NFT. Uh, thank you for giving us the time on the Sunday. We really appreciate it. And congratulations to y'all. Thank you so much. And thank you for having us. We're really happy to be part of the, you know, the history in the making for the Black Metaverse Stories podcast. Yay! That's what's up. <laughs> All right, y'all. Go ahead, Andy. Now, go ahead. I was just saying, that really is what's up. I'm so hyped. Um, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to close this out and say, uh, please be safe. Uh, we know as things open up, nice weather, folks getting back together, you know, people coughing each other's faces, reaching for the same buffet tray. <laughs> you know, please, y'all, be safe out there. All right, we'll be back next week with another Metaverse Story. All right, and I'm Auntie Donna Brown, and I'm done speaking. <laughs>